you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Uh, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're back for a bonus a segment, a bonus segment on the Ben Jarofsky show. And this will be airing on Saturday, I guess. And as we speak, it is what day is today? Thursday. I've talked to a lot of people already. I'm going to have my guest introduce herself with a mic check, mic check, mic <laughs> check. So tell everybody who you are and quote your favorite poem. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, <laughs> my name is Sarah Karp. I'm a reporter with WBZ. And the only one I can think of is I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high of vale and hill. When all at once I saw a, cr- a crowd, a host of golden daffodils. I, William Wordsworth. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think I had to memorize that in like eighth grade. And that popped, it just popped into my head. That was but I wasn't. It wasn't... Uh, accurate exactly but it was close enough all right now folks um you can't see us we don't have the camera on uh mick dumkey is in here as well he's sitting he's waiting to do his interview but mick and i agree on this thing here sarah carp is a kick-ass reporter a badass reporter uh she's at wbez now before that though she her roots were with the catalyst Catalyst. which is a now defunct publication that just covered education but now we have chalkbeat so it's sort of similar mm-hmm. and uh and it was uh, uh sarah Car- i'm not, not going to go back into history with you and talk about uh the soups contract story uh although let, 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 let's not get ahead of myself uh so how long have you been covering a public education not just for uh wbez but even back in the catalyst days sure so i i, I think i would say from 2005 on but um because that's when i went to work for catalyst but i actually was covering public education is like my first job out of college i worked for the columbia missourian which is the new the town newspaper for um columbia missouri and i was the education reporter there i took a break and went to the south town and just did municipal reporting and then wound up back at catalyst where i was doing um public education reporting and you're doing some of those deep dive stories let's just talk about the soup story uh s-u-p-e-s it's sort of i had to spell it out for our listeners it may have been forgotten but i think it's a very important uh chapter uh in definitely in mayor rom's uh history brief history as the the mayor city of chicago talk about the soup story well, this was a contract that was let um, to an organization called Soups, which was a principal training, recruitment, um, sort of school district leadership company that was based out of Wilmette. And they got a contract for like $20 million um, just about a month after um, Mayor Rahm Emanuel and his um, school's chief, Barbara Bird Bennett, closed 50 schools to save money because the district was broke. And... As it turned out, this this company had worked with um, with Bird Bennett before, and she had 
planned to get a kickback um, from them once she was no longer working from, for Chicago Public Schools. I, I wrote about how the contract was sort of suspicious, to say the least. Um, I, and I ran around for a couple years saying this was a racket and encouraging other people to please cover this. And eventually the inspector general sort of uncovered this whole kickback scheme. And she's now sitting in a federal prison because of it. So And, and the two people who ran... Well, one of them who ran Soups is no longer um, in there, but uh, the main guy, Gary Salmon, is still mm-hmm. in prison. Now, it, one of the things that struck me about your, your story that you did about the contract, you were pointing out, you said you, you did something suspicious about it. You pointed out many of the inconsistencies in it. You, you pointed out, uh, you raised a lot of red flags that should have been picked up by, in my humble opinion now, by the Board of Education, by the school board, by the mayor's office, by everybody who oversees uh, public education in the city of Chicago. And I wrote about this in the reader several times, and I didn't mean to belittle you, but if I go, if Sarah Karp can see this, uh, a reporter for Catalyst, one woman, why is it that somehow or other the Board of Education, with some of the brightest minds of corporate Chicago, uh, can't see it? Why is it that the mayor's office with some of the you know, brightest minds, young minds. Okay, <laughs> maybe they're not so bright, but they're minds, and there's a lot of them. Uh, why can't they see? And I have my own personal opinion, but I've just wondered uh, what yours is, uh, Sarah. Why did they not see what you saw very early on? You know, I don't know that they didn't see it. I think that maybe they chose not to see it because, you know, Bird Bennett had just done something that was very difficult, um, which was close 50 schools. And she's a black woman who closed 50 predominantly black schools. And I think my suspicion is that there was sort of an acknowledgement that we're going to give her, Barbara wants this and we're going to give it to her. Mm. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't have that, you know, like sort of buttoned up, but that's sort of how I kind of took it. There were people that raised that raised some eyebrows. I mean, there's there's emails that that were uncovered where people are like, "What's up with this?" You know, but I think that in the end, somebody from up high said, "Let it go through." Because I mean, this is a single source contract. The biggest thing that's a big question was like, why would you hire this little itty bitty principal training company that's like out of, out of a storefront in Wilmette and not hire? Um, all these universities that we have in the city of Chicago that do principal training for decades and decades and have shown to be proven principal training places. You know, that was my big thing. Like, what is this? What, you know, but I'm pretty sure somebody said that, but they just didn't have the power to stop it. Yeah. That has always been my feeling. I, uh, it's, I've always felt, uh, that, that $20 million contract to soups was sort of the price that Mayor Rahm wanted, was willing to pay to have Barbara Bird Bennett stand up in front of the cameras and take the responsibility, be the public face for closing 50 schools. I don't even think Mayor Rahm, Mayor Rahm wasn't even in this, the city of Chicago when the announcement was made to close those, I believe he was Skiing Something in like Utah. that, <laughs> right? It was right. Utah. For some reason, Utah sticks in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Mick is nodding his head. He's a better memory than I do. Yeah, he was skiing in Utah. Uh, and so it was as though the $20 million uh, was, all right, Barbara wants it. We'll give it to her. She's going to do her thing. Uh, and peace will reign in the city of Chicago. That's my read of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty much what I've 
uh, what I've thought. Now, as I said, I don't have like it on the record or buttoned up, but I, I think that there was, you know, that that was pretty much true. He chose not to see mm-hmm. what you could see. And so then when you look back and you consider uh, what was going on at that time with closing the 50 schools, do you have a sense of how legitimate closing all of those 50 schools was? Do you think it was a, 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 an objective process, like a scientific, rigorously scientific, fair process before they reached the t- decision to close those 50 schools? You know, this is the thing. I, I think that the the school district had gotten into a very bad situation because for years and years, um, Daly um, opened a whole bunch of schools and charter schools, but not just charter schools, magnet schools, selective enrollment schools. And meanwhile, the population, at first it was just slowly going down, but then it you know it rapidly went down um, under Rahm Emanuel's tenure. But so that what they had was they had all these new schools and they didn't close schools under daily as rapidly as they opened schools. So then you had this big sort of supply demand problem, right? Now, daily was savvy enough to, to know that you can't close more than maybe five schools at a time, maybe a handful. And, you know, they were strategic. They wouldn't close like all the schools in one neighborhood. It was like a school here and a school there. So then, you know, there wasn't going to be, there would be outcry for sure, but it wasn't like this everywhere in the city rose up. Emmanuel, somebody gave him some advice. I don't know who told him just go head first and do it. And he was like, I'm going to just rip the bandaid off and close all these schools. And, you know, the, the biggest problem with that is that logistically, how can, you know, he kept saying, oh, I'm going to make sure these kids get into better schools. But logistically, that was, it turned out to be impossible. The University of Chicago Consortium of School Research showed that those kids, you know, did not have better outcomes. And not only that, but we spent like $50 million on schools that these kids are going to, and they still didn't get a better education. And in fact, a lot of those schools now, are you know once again underutilized underperforming and now i think this is Lori lightfoot's problem what do you do with those schools mm-hmm. yeah no we'll get into what the future is what Lori lightfoot's going to do with the public education you recently uh uh this talking about the closing of the schools uh was one of the the features one of the aspects of a, a, a investigation you did or a story you did about rom's legacy after eight years of uh of rom running the public schools and he basically ran the public schools for those eight years. Um, so you talk about it as a mixed bag uh, to explain what you were getting at in that story. Well, there, there is some evidence that performance has improved in the city of Chicago. High school graduation rates are up. I think that they might not be up as much as like the school district says, but I do think there has been an increase. Um, test scores are are up um whereas we used to be you know really the bottom of the barrel we're not quite the bottom of the barrel anymore um on attainment but also our growth is like outpacing the nation so now there is some question as to whether the mayor mayor Emanuel was responsible for that or whether that was the outcome of many many years of um changes right because because in education you, you don't steer a ship like in a you know you don't turn a ship quickly it goes very slowly <laughs> but the the um the thing is that even among all this you know it's good news there is a lot of chaos on the ground and there's just no question about it i mean from closing from a teacher strike early early on then closing 50 schools 
then a, one CEO left, then resigned, then another CEO we have come in, and then, you know, he is intent on, you know, using budget crises to pressure the state to change the education fund funding formula and he you know one year after another we have you know the whole the sky is falling the sky is falling um and then and a lot of cuts a lot of um cuts to classrooms and a lot of backdoor cuts that were hard to really detect um until they actually happened and then um, then he resigns in disgrace. And finally, over the last two years, we have one CEO who seems to be staying, uh, Janice Jackson, and maybe um, some more stability financially. But but that's way at the end of the road. I mean, it, we went through a lot of years where, you know, it just seemed like one bad news story after the other. And uh, do you think that there was some sort of overall principle that Rahm was applying to public education when he was at the head you know, of the schools in the city of Chicago, or was it just moving from one crisis to another, uh, one PR stunt to another? You know, the, the thing that he did not um, embrace was the idea that we need to invest everywhere similarly. So there was not, um, right now there's a lot of talk about equity, 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 but under him, you know, if you look at like where construction dollars were spent, and even if you look at how um, just how schools were funded, you do see sort of a shift that he, he he was trying to keep the middle class, the upper middle class, um, those neighborhoods, the inner city, you know, the um, central city. He was trying to make sure that those schools were vibrant and strong, and you know, made a lot of decisions to sort of count how to keeping those families, you know, in, in Chicago. Um, it's, it's questionable. He would say, I'm sure he'd say he did do some investing in, you know, poor neighborhoods, black Latino neighborhoods in those schools. But I don't think that it was on the same level. And I think that when you look at all, a lot of those backdoor cuts, like it's just special education or even like librarians and art teachers and music teachers, I think the ones that when, when there are cuts, among those, the ones that got hit the most were the the um, black Latino schools serving poor children, and the schools that were serving predominantly white children, um, or predominantly upper middle class children. They were able to balance some of that with with either private fundraising or even just like you know shifting some things around so it didn't hit them as hard. And and so I I do think that right now there are a lot of inequities in the in the system and I, and something that Janice Jackson talks about a lot trying to shore those up and we'll see we'll see what happens because you know when you say we want equity that's not equality and that doesn't that means that sometimes it looks like if you're a parent of a child in once in a school that serves mostly upper middle class it might feel like a cut to you and um not you know, not seeing it as like an advantage for the for the the, the poor kids that need that, and um, I think that if 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 there were really some strong moves to really balance the system out, I think that you might see some uproar from some of the people that have been sitting sitting pretty for a while. Well, that's an interesting point that you're raising. I personally, I'm speaking for myself here, I've always felt uh, that if we're going to have a segregated city, which apparently we're incapable of not having a segregated city. Uh, so, and we don't, I don't even know if that goal of integration is being 
pursued by anybody in the country, let alone the city of Chicago. So if we're going to have a segregated city and a segregated public school system that's divided by race and class, particularly by class, I've always believed you should spend more money in the poorer schools to sort of try to overcome the disadvantages of being poor in America or the advantages of being well-to-do in America. That just seemed the most logical thing to do. Uh, But... So I've always looked at it and spending money, but just listening to you now, you're absolutely correct when it comes to cutting, which is what we've been through for the last eight years. We should have cut more in the well-to-do schools, just following the logic that you lay out, because they have the capability, the parent groups have the capability to raise the money to offset the cuts that they're experiencing, like a a lost librarian or a lost salary for a librarian on the north side of Chicago to well-to-do school is far less of an impact than it is, let's say, in Roseland. Right. And I'll never forget when um, there was a time when when they were going to cut they were going to cut kindergarten, um, not make as much kindergarten full day and um you know sort of scale back and uh they weren't going to cut kindergarten but they were going to cut some kindergarten programs and you know the ogden which is right in the center of the city they sent out a note to the parents they're like well if you want to keep full day kindergarten everybody has to pay three thousand dollars well somehow they were able to keep it now if you're in a different neighborhood you can't send out a letter and say, you know, hey, everybody, you know, $3,000 for for a lot of people is like, that's a fortune. That's like, that's more than they'll have in their savings account ever in their yeah. lifetimes. So, so there's, there's an imbalance there. And, you know, but I really think it's, it's a hard sell to say that we're going to try to make things um, fairer by not giving everybody exactly the same. I think there's going to be, if that starts happening, which it probably should start happening, that's, you know, it'll create controversy. Yeah, it'll absolutely be uh, uproar. Uh, and uh, it's it's one of the principles like of social security. Everybody gets the same amount of social security. And that's why fundamentally, guess what? You can't touch social security. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because even like uh, Warren Buffett gets social security. Right, right, or you're touching right. Warren Buffett's money. Donald Trump gets social security. Right. Uh, but if you, if you, it, when it comes to funding schools, you're right. It's if there's they're cutting funding or some school on the south side doesn't have nearly the clout of a Warren Buffett or a, a Donald Trump. So I see your point on that one. You know, when you when I was listening to you talk, Sarah, uh, I, I'm thinking I don't want to. Uh, to say when you graduated, but you are a graduate of the Chicago Public Schools. And one thing I hear when I was hearing you were talking about whether schools are getting better and how schools are getting better, this is something that at a vantage point I've had for being in this town for so long. I'm always hearing about how bad schools were back before and how much better they are now. And so many of the people saying that are people who actually like went to the schools when they were quote unquote bad and they're all like leaders of Chicago. I remember a debate. I saw the mayor Rahm was not at the debate it was 2011. Mick has heard me told the story so many times you had, um, uh, Reverend Meeks was on the stage. Miguel Devaye was on the stage. Uh, Carol Mosley Braun was on the stage. I'd have voted for any of them over Rahm. Uh, and, uh, well maybe not Meeks, uh, but no, I would have voted for Meeks over. Rahm. Anyway, the point is they were all great with Chicago public schools. Yeah. And 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 the people in the audience were and they all said we were graduates of the public schools and they go why can't we have the glory days back like when you were in school? And I'm like I nobody was calling those glory days when back in the 70s about Chicago public schools. So it seems like they're always getting better, but then that 10 years there's 
they're bad. You understand right, what right, I'm saying? That's, right, yeah. that's like, how can you keep getting better and still be bad? It's just like my um, old friend George Schmidt, who, who passed away, unfortunately, um, used to say he, he used to say like they're always cutting central office, like yeah. to show they're feeling the pain. And if they cut as much as central office, you know, it'd be like negative people there. <laughs> you know, there'd be yeah. So it's it doesn't make sense. But I mean, you know, the the thing is, is that measuring a school system is relative right i mean it's all about where your vantage point is and in a school system with 600 schools the experience is different i mean if you're going to whitney young today or if you're going to whitney young in 1985 you still had probably a pretty good experience Mm -hmm. um you know there's different schools that were not having that experience i actually think some of the things that i went that i experienced at lincoln park i was a went to lincoln park high school um, would not actually be tolerable today. I think there are some things that are a little better. However, I'm not so much sure because sometimes when I talk to kids and they're like, oh no, that's still happening. Like what, for instance, what, give me an well, example. We had, so I was not in the International Baccalaureate Program, which was their like highlight program. Smart I was, kid, kid. You were, that, that was the smart kid program from the Lincoln right, Park. Right, that's yeah. right. I was in the drama program. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and, uh, And, you know, so and Lincoln Park at the time was a really diverse school. It had, um, you know, IB, but it also had um, Drew from Caprini Green, which was actually a very big, you know, public housing complex at the time. And so the non-IB students did not get the same education as IB students. And we had we had teachers who came to class. 20 30 minutes late or slept all the time during class and gave us i never forget one one of our teachers slept all, t- all the time during class and one of the um he gave this girl a, a, a d and she like assaulted him on the corner and then he said okay i'll give you an a so you know it's like sort of <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness wait a minute he went from a d to an a just she assaulted him well she walked up to him and she's like i forget the guy's name but she was like what the what's up with this you know why, why are you giving me a d and you know he had really no explanation because he was asleep like every day um (laughs) during class and so you know there were things like that were going on and i i think oh in this day and age i can't imagine that that would be happening i mean we got you know teacher evaluations and you know reach these exams that kids take at the beginning of the year and the end of the year and that this would and principal observation this would show up however you know then you still go out and you're like you talk to some kids and they're like yeah we got a teacher here that sleeps all day (laughs) and you're like oh maybe that doesn't maybe i i'm thinking things are way different than when they're not yeah my my general uh, sense of things uh is that not much i just wrote this for the reader it's funny it's always on my mind Really, not all that much has changed with Chicago public schools since I moved to Chicago in 1981. There's various degrees of solvency when it comes to the budget, really related to the the larger economic trend. So when I moved to Chicago in 1981, we're in the midst of a horrific recession. You're too young to remember this, but it totally bottomed out the city of Chicago, transformed whole neighborhoods. So it was a real struggle for Jane Byrd and Harold Washington to raise the money to fund the public schools. We always have, that varies, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. but. It's still a huge, like you're saying, enormous situ- um, system with k- kids from middle class backgrounds, really poor backgrounds, trying to figure it all out. Kind of just seems like it, all these general ways, it's the same. Do you disagree with me? Well, you know what I think is the one of the big differences, and this came in with um, No Child Left Behind um, under Clinton, is that um, actually it could be under Bush, but. It, 
No Child, no left, child left Behind. Right, which uh, was with a, Bush. The bi- with yeah. Bush. It was a big accountability. Um, the big accountability thing that um, made it by subgroups that you had mm-hmm. to um, put out test scores. And I actually think that if anything has changed, it's that we have all these tests. I mean, we didn't used to have all these published test scores. We took tests, we took standardized tests, but now we have it in a way that is, the accountability is very, um, very strong and they, um, there's consequences that people can feel. I mean, your school could close, you could get fired. You, you know, there's, and I think that has sort of changed the, the pressure points. Um, you know, so it's one thing when you say, oh, kids are growing now more than they ever grew. Well, we didn't measure growth until just like, you know, six or seven years ago. You know, growth was not was not anywhere. At, we not on our agenda like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. And so maybe people were growing in the 80s. <laughs> Great. But we just didn't know because we didn't measure growth. So we weren't paying attention to it. Right. Uh, and uh, well, one of the things that you, you see when you see uh like the what is it called NAPES the uh, the right, test right. that measures growth and breaks it down uh, by racial categories uh, is that in the city of Chicago the the gap in performance between the well to do and the, the the poor remains very vast right so right. Uh, if you just view it as an absolute comparison that's what has not changed since you were in school or since I went to uh, moved to Chicago. I know you have to get to a, a press conference. Usually I uh, keep my bonus people in for like an hour. It's a long ordeal. Uh, so I'll let you go. But I, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, the future of education in the most general sense with Lori Lightfoot. This is on my mind again. Uh, she made uh, a whole new slate of appointments to the school board, which I was very impressed with the caliber of them in terms of their commitment to Chicago public schools. It wasn't the typical brand of uh, uh, rich guys uh, that Mayor Rahm loves so much. Um, Bodhi, what do you think that's going to do to the movement uh, for an elected school board? Well, you have to imagine that this is something that she ran on, that eventually she'll come up with something that she will go forward with. I I don't, I, I think people are, pretty impressed with the people that she's called to be members of the school board. But I, I don't think that that's going to let anybody off the hook for an elected school board. I feel like this is something that's been, you know, it's prior to Ron, people were calling for an elected school board. And um, no matter what, if the board is appointed, they are also to some degree beholden. Will they vote against what the mayor wants? Will they? I mean, I don't know, but I sort of doubt it. You know, I do. I do. I mean, they, they might listen more. They might respond more. They might not be as patronizing as perhaps Frank Clark, the former board president, was. They, um, you know, they might be a little, a little more, you know, empathetic with people. But when it comes down to it, if they vote an agenda every every votes a yes and the debate doesn't seem real then people are going to still be frustrated are you uh, are you still excited to be a school reporter you've been doing this for how many years now well i mean 2005 so my my ba- so my baby was born that's when i went to catalyst and he's 14 so a while um yes because it's ever fascinating it's ever fascinating i mean it's politics it's business reporting. It's uh, 
you know i i get to talk to some you know i always think that the best part of my job is when i'm talking to kids or you know teenagers or parents and just reminded that like this is you know education is what they see is like they're they're their way to change their lives and um everybody i feel like everybody desperately really wants for their child to get a good education and so yeah i mean those things still impress me i mean i can i i still haven't gone to a graduation that i haven't cried at yeah. you know i'm still <laughs> i'm still sort of an old softy when it comes wait to- sarah what songs uh, it's been a while since it's been a graduation my youngest graduate uh 2010 so what songs do they play now they usually play that boys to men song uh, at graduation oh. You know, do they still play that song? You know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, uh, Mick, Mick will sing it for you if you okay, want. Okay, good. Go for it. <laughs> I'll tell you what my uh, my son's graduating from eighth grade, and he's going to play um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow on the double bass. Oh, you'll be weeping. You'll be, you'll, the double bass? <laughs> I know. What's it? What is it? The double it's bass? It's just a huge, like a huge violin. Oh, what it, or oh like, yeah. Like the, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra double bass. <laughs> Your kid knows how to play a double bass? Very poorly, but. <laughs> but but he can play somewhere over the radio uh, the rainbow. Don't don't you call that a stand up bass? Isn't that what you oh call maybe it? it's a stand up. No no bass. no double bass in classical music. It's like <laughs> and we had a uh, Steve Lester was on. Anyway, I'm good. he was the he plays double bass for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and he was their union rep when they went on strike. Oh and, really? Yeah. Uh, but Mick, now that you join us, please sing that Boys to Men song that you were. I can't say. sing it. But you're talking <laughs> about the end of the road. Yeah. It's yeah. so <laughs> hard to say goodbye. That's another one. Oh. Well, that's what that's what they sing at graduation. Yeah, they sing all sorts of songs. Let's hear that double bass again. <laughs> <Hear> that sound. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you tomorrow. I'm going to a preschool graduation. I'll. I'll oh, tell you'll you. be weeping I'll, like oh, a. Oh, I'm gonna be. <laughs> kindergarten graduation, Sarah Carp. Man, they just kill me. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're so sweet. They're so sweet, and they got those little angel faces. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're gonna become adolescents. Yes. Um, anyway, all right, Sarah Carp. I'm gonna let you go because I. I know you really want to get to that press conference and the thing i really wanted to talk to you about which i'm going to bring you back to talk about is this fantastic segment you do what i learned from my kids teachers really opening up about things they learn yeah. from their kids you talk about crying there's some of those oh, things yeah. will really just make you just break down um you know and uh, so the next time we come on maybe we'll bring in play some of the excerpts and talk about it that'd be a great deep dive that'd be great there. all right that's the great sarah carp at Pride and Joy of Lincoln Park High School. We I'm call sure. her the Bulldog because she goes after those Board of Ed people and does not let up. Thanks so much for Thank coming. Thank you. Up. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.